before, before I talk about this phrase that's up here, um, I, didn't, I thought I should ask you if you heard about the windmill that was talking to the other windmill on one of these big wind farms. Did you hear about this? The one windmill asked the other and said, Hey, what's your favorite kind of music? And he said, I'm a, I'm a big heavy metal fan. I know, some of you are here probably because you were in the first service and you came back again just to hear that joke. Because you just now got it. I'm a big heavy metal fan. Well, uh, over the next couple weeks, to today and the next couple weeks, I want to focus on this word. In Psalm 16, the verse for today, the, 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 the writer there says, I've set the Lord always before me, and because He's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. And that phrase, as I read it recently, just kept, just kept working on me. I will not be shaken. I will not be shaken. What an amazing life to be an unshakable person. What an amazing idea that we could be unshakable. And so, this is what I'd like to communicate about this, this tr- truth, this title, um, that I am unshakable because I realize God's presence. In other words, there's two parts to this. One is God's presence. That's actually what makes me unshakable. But even if I have God's presence and I don't know it, and I don't realize it, and I'm not aware of it, then I may still be very much a shaken person, a person who's scattered, a person who's lost their identity, as Carletta was talking about, a person who's just losing their way, can happen if I forget, or if I'm never even known at the beginning that God is near to me. So there's both parts of that that are are present. Last night, my wife said to me, hey, do you know where the checkbook is? Now, I must tell you, that's very unusual. It's usually the other way around at our house. She's looking, um, I'm looking, and she knows where things are. For some reason, it was just the opposite last night. She said, um, I've been looking for the checkbook, and I can't find it. Do you know where it is? And I said, I had the joy and the luxury of saying, yeah, yeah, I know where it is. I know exactly where it is. And she said, well, where? And I said, it's in my brown travel case. And she said, oh, I didn't know it was in there. And I said, I understand. But I knew it was in there because I put it there. I was aware. I was aware. I realized it because I put it there. I set it there. I placed it there. Here's the verse in Psalm 16. God's at my right hand. I'm aware of this because I put him there. The result of this is nothing can shake me. Nothing can destroy me. Nothing can, sh- can blow me off of, the, of course. Or if, if I back up and, and take the flow of thought backwards, the, the confidence is I will not be shaken. Isn't that a wonderful feeling? A wonderful way to live life? Things can happen. Um, 
my, I, I, may, I may lose my health. I may lose my mate. I may lose a lot of things and deal with a lot of things. But I will not be shaken. It's a wonderful confidence in life. The cause of the confidence is God's at my right hand. I mean, who couldn't do something, who couldn't do anything if you have God's help, if you have God's presence, if you have God uh, at, your, at your side, if God has your back, as you say. Well, if that's the case, well, how, why would I be shaken? The, the owner and creator of the universe is at my right hand, okay? So the confidence is I'm not going to shake and quake and rattle and come apart. The cause is that God's at my right hand. And the connection between those two in this psalm is that I'm aware of the Lord's being at my right hand because I did something, whatever was necessary, to make sure that the Lord is at my right hand. I have set the Lord always before me. If I could illustrate with this again, suppose that um, you, got a, a, you got your mail and you looked and there was a bill. And a bill, uh, you open it up and this bill's for a hundred bucks. You have two choices. You can, you can stand there and your knees knock together and say, oh, a hundred dollars, hundred dollars, what am I going to do? Or, you can say, well, I don't have any worries about this bill for a hundred bucks because I, I, I just recently put two hundred bucks in the bank. I, I know I have what it will take to pay the bill, so I'm not shaking. And I know it because I put it there. So I'm aware of what's in here. And that enables me not to be shaken in the presence of the bill that arrives because I know that more than what the bill's asking for, I have. I know that because I myself put it there. This is the point. This is what he's saying here. I have deposited. I have drawn near to. I have drawn the Lord near to me. I have set Him right here at my right hand. And believe me, any bill that comes, he'll, he's, he's worth more than that. Any problem that comes, He's stronger than that. And I don't, I don't have to, I don't have to give, be shaken. I won't have to give up. I won't have to um, change or come apart. I won't have to be destroyed because God is at my right hand. It's, a, it's an amazing concept and a powerful idea. Let's talk about, let's go back for a second and talk about being shaken. We're all familiar with the physical aspect of seeing, you know, horrible things. Uh, these, are, these are just some earthquake pictures. I remember talking with a lady of our congregation who's now passed away, who was in Fairbanks, Alaska in the early 60s, I think it might have been 1964, when there was a massive earthquake shook that city, just kind of ripped it in half. And I remember her talking about people just wandering the streets with, with a dazed look in their eye. They didn't know who they were. They didn't know where they were going. They, because this earthquake had shaken everything about their existence. I mean, it didn't just shake the structures. The structures, in, in turn, there's a truck. I don't know, you can't see these very well. I don't know if you can see it. But underneath that massive girder, there's a truck waiting to just 
He's just waiting to be crushed. Uh, these are just images physically of a world that's shaken internally in our own lives. Is this how we have to live? Is this how we have, what we have to look like? No, it's not. And that's the, that's the point of this psalm. It's saying, I'm not going to be like that. I'm not going to be one of these persons that's just ragged because the wind blew the roof off. And now the walls are waving in the wind. With God's help, I can do better than that. With God's help, I know that I don't have to come apart and blow, and, and, and blow apart in a storm because His design for me, His desire for me, is something better than that. And, uh, and, and therefore, I will not be shaken. Now, I want to take a moment and just interrupt sort of to, to make something, a statement that I think is so important. And this gets confused, and sometimes Christians uh, even kind of condemn and look down on other Christians because of this. And I want to I just stop and deal with this for a second. When David is talking here about being shaken, he says, I will not be shaken. He's not talking about emotions. You know, we're a pretty weak bundle of nerves and muscle. Uh, the Bible says God remembers our frame and He knows that we are dust. He understands that events happen and tears flow because our emotions are yanked around wildly in all different directions. And, 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 and as human beings, this is, this is a vulnerable spot. We all feel emotions. We all cry. We all feel giddy with happiness at times. There is nothing wrong or sinful about it. If my, you know, Sylvia, you lost your father. If you cry and you weep and because you mourn and you grieve, you've not, you're not being shaken. That's an, your emotions are being shaken. But I'm simply saying that's not what he's talking about. Just emotions. God understands that our emotions get jerked around. And in fact, the Bible says God comes near to us to comfort us when our emotions need comfort. And sometimes they do get... Uh, you know, I mentioned earlier about uh, this week in the life of this Dombrowski family being... Um, having this amazing contradiction of their grandson coming home on the aircraft carrier at the very moment that he's touching the dock out in San Diego. His grandfather is dying here in Greencastle. But in that room, they're watching the television set of the grandson coming into shore. And the people are waving the flags and standing on the dock, waving as this massive boat with these sailors standing around the edge is being tugged in. And... Here's this family in Greencastle through the miracle of YouTube watching someone near and dear come home. In fact, Dave's daughter was watching her son as he came home. But she's also watching her father as he leaves, as his body shuts down. And I said to them there in that room that day, I said, you know, on the shores of heaven, in, at, the, at the harbor of heaven, people are lining and looking out and waving and saying, Dave's coming, Dave's almost here. And it was sort of an analogy to help us understand that what was happening there was happening in a spiritual sense in this room. But 
It was a very paradoxical moment between the happy and the sad. I, I was just thinking earlier this morning, I was talking to someone about a number of a, a situation a number of years ago where a member of our church passed away and his name was Jake Binkley. On the very day of his funeral and burial, on that very day, his grandson, Steve Freeman, was getting married. And Steve and his grandpap was very close. And I will never forget that day when Steve took his grandfather's body as a pallbearer and put it down in the ground and, you know, and wept with everybody else. And then he left there and came here. And I came, we were, we, we were right behind each other. And I also came here. And Steve goes back in the back room here somewhere and he takes off his black suit and he puts on a white tux because he's getting ready to get married. It's his wedding day. And you think, that... You know, I've always remembered that as a symbol of the wide range of human emotions. How we can be jerked and yanked around emotionally in many different ways. God understands that. That's not being shaken. If Steve came out here and said, Whew, I'm having a rough time with this. You know, I'm happy to be here with my, my wedding. But, uh, you know, I just laid my granddad to rest. Everybody would understand that. I'll give you another example of such a wild situation. Um, a number of years ago, we had a young lady who was tragically killed in a car accident. And her sister, this is the Leckron family, Keith and Cindy Leckron's girls. And her sister, Nikki, was getting married that week. And several days earlier, her younger sister, Melissa, was killed in a car accident. And Melissa was going to be in Nikki's wedding. She was going to be her maid of honor. And they were close as sisters. And, uh, and whew, I will never forget, because we were all weeping on that day when, um, when Nikki and her husband came here, and of course their hearts were torn because their sister was going to be here, and they were planning on this. And in the wedding, Nikki, who's a wonderful musician, and her husband, were Rob, were going to sing to each other. And so they did. And I will never forget this moment. When Nikki stood right here, and she looked into the eyes of her husband, and she began to sing, and tears began to roll down over her face because of missing her own sister, who had planned to be here for this moment. And yet, how can you stand and just cry when you're looking at this man that you love? And she smiled, the most radiant smile. And I remember thinking to myself on that day, how in the world can anybody cry and smile and sing in the same moment, simultaneously. How do you do that? I don't know, but Nikki did it. I mean, with a wide smile on her face and tears just rolling down her cheeks, she was singing her heart out. And it was, it was just a, an emotional overload. I'm simply saying, if you have moments where emotionally you just feel like, this is too deep for me, this is too angering to me, or whatever. Um, the emotions themselves feeling like they're blowing and shaking is no big deal. It is not an issue at all. Because that is not what it's talking about here of, of being shaken. Um, here's the kind of things that I think he is talking about. By God's power, even though your emotions are shaken, your will isn't shaken. 
You're saying, listen, you can make me cry, you can make me laugh, but you cannot change the commitment of my heart to God or to you or whatever it is. You can change, you can shake my emotions, but you cannot shake my identity. My, uh, uh, you know, Carletta, you were talking about this in your work that you were getting tested here with who am I and what am I and so forth. And, 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 and this will not be shaken is what he's saying. If God's at my right hand, you can, you can shake my emotion, but you can't you can never change what my motives are. They're, they're not going to change. I am who I am. And this person with these intentions is not going to go uh, run away or disappear just because my emotions are high or my emotions are low. The Bible talks about this as well. That our destination of heaven isn't affected by the fact that, you know, we need to cry. We need to go outside and just have, some, uh, have a good cry because we're so sad or we're depressed or we're discouraged. Emotions, and I just want to carefully mention this again. Emotions are not the issue. God understands and relates. You know, the, there's, a hymn, there's a hymn that says, Tears are a language God understands. Indeed, He does. It says in Psalm 68 that the, God catches all our tears in a bottle. It's a way of symbolically saying, the Lord knows when you cry. He knows when you're hurt. He knows when you're angry. These emotions that seem to blow around and shake with circumstance, it's no big deal. He can handle those. That's not what He's talking about when He says, I will not be shaken. These are the kind of things that He, talk, that he is talking about. That I'm still going to heaven. God is at my right hand. I'm still going to heaven. No matter what kind of day or how frantic my week or how, how much my mood swung up or down. Okay. Now, what does God offer in contrast to this emotional uh, or, or to, to the confusion and the rubble and the debris of a life that's just shook up? I, I've, I've talked with people. I've seen people. They have no sense of power in their life. They have no sense of purpose in their life. They have no passion about anything. Um, they, 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 they have no productivity. They, they just kind of breathe and walk around. And you think, what do they accomplish? What do they do? Who do they help? Who, where do they give anything to anybody? Um, they're just shook up. They're just shook loose. They're just scattered. And they kind of wander around like the... The people after 9-11 in New York City where you see on video, they're covered with ash and they're just walking around and their eyes are just empty. They don't even know where they are. And sometimes you meet people like that and you say, uh, what, if, if God helps me not to be like that, what does He give to me? What does He offer as His alternative? What does He bring to the table for me? I want to mention just three things quickly. and We could mention many more things. Last week, Josh... In his sermon said, and, and when he was talking about disputable matters, and, and what was your word? Censoriousness. He was talking about this last week, and we were in the chapter 14 of the book of Romans, and Josh said, look at this verse. It says, kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking. That's disputable stuff. It is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's big stuff. That's the important stuff. That will never be shaken if God's at your right hand. 
Because this is what he brings. This is his kingdom that wraps around you. It's peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Uh, in, in the funeral for Dave Dombrowski this week, I read this passage in 2 Corinthians 4, and I know you've heard it read many times. We have this treasure in jars of clay so that this all-surpassing power may be seen to be from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not shaken. We are pressed down, but not destroyed. We are struck down, but not abandoned. On and on he goes with this amazing description of a clay jar very fragile clay jar that contains an expensive, valuable treasure. And he says, man, the circumstances of life and the winds of life pick this jar up and they fling it down to the ground. And it, amazingly, it's a pretty strong clay jar. You would think it would shatter, but it just bounces. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. We're shaken up, but we're not shaken. And, and, and he's saying that in the end, the treasure is still intact because the little old vulnerable, the, the little old fragile clay jar has held on to that treasure. This is, this is the point of that, that God, if He's at your right hand, He gives stability even to a fragile, frail human made of clay. God can still give stability. Here's another, and this is the last one I'll mention, but here's an amazing verse in 2 Peter chapter 1. He says, if God is at your right hand, you will not be unproductive or ineffective. And I love that promise. I love, I love that. I look at that and say, Yahoo, my life will count for something. Who wants to just end up, you know, at, the, at their dying day, say, well, I never did anything, I never accomplished anything, I never caused anything, I was just ineffective and unproductive. Nobody wants that as their legacy. Nobody wants that as their, as their mentality. And he says, God will help you. If you put God at your right hand, this is what he offers. Not blown around, confused, and lost, but this kind of a life. And it's a, it's a, it's a powerful difference. Wow, it's almost noon. Very quickly. Here, here I'm going to give you just four words. I'm not, I don't have time to spend... Spend a lot of time on them. These are just some of the kind of things that shake us up. And we could all add other things to it. But tragedies of every shape and size. Trials. And the difference in my mind is a trial may not be just a tragedy, but it's something that really tests you. Like, like it just keep, you just have to really keep working on it and bear down. I was thinking this morning of a, of a family, a dear family in this congregation who... Several years ago, over a period of time, they raised their kids, and then uh, when it came time for the grandkids' generation, there were some issues, and so they had to bring one of their grandkids in to their home and raise him, and they adopted him, and they raised him the whole way through. And, uh, you know, by the time they were done with that, you're thinking, wow, these people raised their kid, and they raised their grandkid. Good for them. That's pretty amazing. That's quite a, a, a commitment. And then there were issues with the grandkid, and he became a, one of the grandkids, and he became a father. And to make a long story short, there were no parents for this kid, and they had to take their great-grandkid in. And they adopted her. By now, they're 80 years old. And they're 
They've raised their kids, they've raised their grandkid, and now they're raising and giving themselves completely and fully to this great grand. That's to me a trial. I mean, I, I would say, man, by the, you know, by the third go round, this is getting a little long to be raising yet another and, and adopting and taking responsibility and take, taking, but, but that's what they did. Trials. Sometimes they just blow us off. Here's another. Here's another uh, a thing that I think we maybe don't often think about, but I run, this is just my observation in life. I have observed so many people who seem to get thrown completely off course of their identity by change. Now, a lot of us don't like change. I understand. We like to just get in a habit and do the same thing the way we always did it. And I guess that's okay. I guess there's nothing wrong morally with not liking change. But... but there is something sad and, and sinister about letting change just shake us up. You know, I think of COVID. The powers that be, the medical people and uh, political people, over this past year and a half have said, everything's going to change. You're going to change in how you can get together. You're going to change in what, you're going to change this and you're going to change that. And our whole world has gotten shook up. Shook. The psalm says, I will not be shaken. This world has been shaken by this virus because it, 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 it was a change. I mean, apart from the tragedy of many people who got sick and who died, on top of that, now you can't find anything, you can't have anything, you can't, and everything is always comes back to, well, it's all changed, it's all changed, it's all changed. The transitions of life. And then, of course, there's the temptations that, that put us into mental gymnastics. We want to do this, but, we don't want it, but we're not supposed to do this. Or whatever it is, this combination that ends up uh, leaving, oftentimes, our life really shook up. Now, here's my point with this. I don't care what all you put in there. There's a lot of things that can shake us up. But I want you to think about this for a second. I hear people say, well, this is testing my religion. And what they mean by that is basically, well, you know, this is testing my routine or I'm about to start cussing or, you know, it's just something about my belief system or my routine or something. It doesn't go very deep. I'm trying to say to you that if you really are getting, if you really get shook up or you really get a storm that wants to shake you up, what is being tested is not just your tradition or your belief. It is the connection that you have to the foundation you have. It's the magnetism that takes you towards the North Pole. That is what is being tested. Here's a picture of a big old buildings. And you know, these things are engineered in amazing ways and they can sway in high winds and they got movement built into them and it's phenomenal. But here's my point. When a severe wind comes, and there's a huge storm, and these kind of things are put to the test, it's not just about whether we lose a shingle, or, or I guess these buildings wouldn't have shingles on them, but a, you know, a piece of the roof or a few windows or some downfall pipe or whatever. Um, a few of those things might be flying around in the wind. What's really tested is the connection of those massive buildings to their foundation. You know, these buildings, these skyscrapers we call them, they have a foundation that's immense, and it's way down below the surface. I guarantee you, the wind is not going to pull it out of the ground. No wind is going to pull it out of the... An earthquake might shake it 
loose, but no wind is going to blow it around the foundation. So the test becomes not is a, go- a little piece of roof going to fly off or does you know, a flying debris break a window. I mean, the, that's like emotions. Those are little things swirling around. The test is, is this building securely fastened to its foundation? Because if it is, then it's going to stand. It's not going to be shaken. It's not going to be blown away. That's what is really being tested. Now, David says, I've set the Lord always before me. I'm almost done. I've set the Lord always before me. What does that mean? To set the Lord always before me. Well, I think it means that I talk to God always in my mind or out loud. I think of God. I listen for God. I look for God. I anticipate and constantly think about. In other words, I don't just come back on Sunday morning and say, oh, this is God's day. I better go to God's house and think about God. But it is primarily the focus of God Himself is first and foremost, above all other things, ultimately and predominantly, the, uh, the focus of my life. And I, and I keep that alive by habitually and intentionally doing things to keep me aware of that. To keep me... And, you know, you're here this morning, and I'm talking to you about God from this book that God gave to us. These are things that help us set God always before us, to put Him at our right hand. And that, by the way, is simply an idiomatic expression in the ancient Near Eastern world. To say something's at your right hand is just a way of saying it's, it's immediately available, it's accessible. Like if, uh, if you have a cane, maybe some of you here this morning have a cane. If you, if you need a cane to walk with, you don't leave it at the door and then come up here to the front. I mean, you keep your cane at your right hand because that's what you need. You, that's what makes you, you know, available. You keep it available. Okay. So, it's, it's, it's something to... The idea when I say, I've set God always before me, it's this word always is... is, is there's no condition. There's no place or time or anything else that I'm not aware, that I'm not paying attention, that I'm not listening, that I'm not talking, that I'm not trusting God. He's always before me because I put Him there. I placed Him there. I set Him there. This is what enables me to remember and to understand and be aware that He's at my right hand, and that awareness is what makes me to be unshakable. Uh, we'll come back next week and look at a different psalm and a different verse. I hope you can join us. Um, where, where again, the same word of not being shaken is uh, linked to, to actually obeying God, doing the things that God asks us to do. The more we do that, the less we're going to be shaken by the circumstances of this world. Um, you know what? We're, is, is Rachel here? Were you going to play? Okay, can you come? We'll sing a verse, if we could do that. I'll sing a verse of this song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. I, uh, sorry to go a little bit over here, but it's enjoyable just to listen to your testimonies and share together. And uh, I think we all know this song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, All Our Sins and Griefs to Bear. What a privilege to carry everything to have Him in prayer. 
Oh, what peace we often forfeit. In other words, the, shaken, the person whose life is shaken, they don't have any peace. And he says, well, you know why we give up peace and why we let ourselves be shaken instead of peaceful? Because we don't come to the Lord in prayer. We don't have the Lord set at our right hand where we can talk to Him. 